In partnership with New Smile, the teeth alignment and whitening experts, the Pro Sports Podcasters are giving away two New Smile teeth whitening foam solutions. All you need to do to qualify for this fantastic giveaway is go to our website, www.prosportspodcasters.com, and sign up for the free newsletter. The winners will be announced in the last newsletter of November, so sign up now. Brighten up your smile with New Smile. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters, with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world, covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Hello and welcome to the Pro Sports Podcasters. I'm your host, Neil Wallace Bruce, and I'm joined as always by Justin Williams. Justin, how are you doing? Living the dream in yourself. I'm great. Very good. And if you don't know already, listeners, we have a new website, so please check out prosportspodcasters.com. But without any further ado, we have a very special guest today, a Hall of Fame, if you will. She has been living and breathing softball all her life. She was a gold medalist for the USA in 2000, and she won a silver medal with the USA during softball's return to the Summer Olympics in 2020. She's also a coach, and she played in the Athletes Unlimited softball tournament. So, without any further ado, it's a big introduction to Kat Osterman. Kat, how are you doing? Good morning. Doing well. It's a pleasure to have you on. How's life post-playing softball? It's actually pretty good. You know, I just, I knew it was time this time. I, I obviously married, have a stepdaughter, still enjoyed playing, but slowly but surely the grind of, of working out and training every day was becoming a little bit less enjoyable. And I always told myself when I don't enjoy doing the, the hard work, it's time to find something new. So been home and um, to be honest, super happy. Haven't missed a beat, enjoying just kind of being able to make my own schedule and I continue to coach some younger athletes, and so um, that fills my bucket enough right now. Excellent. And with regard to the coaching, I believe that's a weekend thing. What does that entail, if you don't mind? Yeah, so I was a college coach for 12 years. I stepped down from that in um, May of 20 when, obviously, COVID pushed back the Olympics and everything. And coming from that, the facility I was training out of, they run um, a youth travel organization called the Bombers, and it's a very large organization here in the States. And they just asked if I would come on board and be their director of pitching performance. And, you know, we've kind of created what that role looks like as time goes on. But after I got back home, they asked if I would uh, help coach the 1800 team this fall and really just work with the pitchers. Most of these girls are committed, ready to go to college. Um, next year or the year after. And so for me, it's fun because I spend the weekends calling pitches, but kind of talking to them about why I'm setting up the pitches the way I am or what their strength is that day and how we can maximize it more than just the physical, which is the fun part for me, because I think I was not a, um, I wasn't a power pitcher. So the physical piece for me is not as much like, oh yeah, let's get you throwing hard. But I like the mental part of it, of knowing what we're throwing and why. And so yeah, I spend a couple weekends, it'll be four by the time the end of the fall is done with them, just trying to get them to think at a little bit higher level so they're ready to go to college um, when the time comes. 
Awesome. I like the sound of that. Hey, so I'm pretty much the type of guy who's going to ask questions that are a little obscure for most things, but we're going to start off pretty gentle with this one. What got you into softball? Was it uh, like parents? Was it just around the bend? Like what happened? Oh, this is a fun story. Initially, I got invited by my friend, Amy Borman, who was, uh, we were friends in our neighborhood. To be honest, you know, you're like five or six and we're like picking flowers in the in the ditch that was in the middle of our neighborhood. And she was like, hey, do you play softball? And I was like, no, I never have. And my team needs more players. And I'm sure her dad or mom called my parents. And next thing I know, I signed up to play. And we played. I ended up quitting after one season because first through fifth graders were on the same team. And fifth graders pitching at first graders is not fun whatsoever. So I quit, played soccer for about four and a half, five years. Enjoyed that. I was a goalie. I was actually a pretty good goalie. But then again, I got bored in goal because the ball was always on the other side of the field because my team was pretty good. <laughs> and I finally told my parents, I'm like, I'm bored. And my mom's like, but you're a really good goalie. And I was like, no, but I'm bored. And so my dad suggested trying to play softball again. I said, why not? Thankfully, at some point, we didn't have a pitcher who could throw and they asked who wanted to try. And I said, I would try. And I think I struck out one of my first hitters and um, the rest was history. I fell in love with being able to pitch and never left the field after that. Damn. I love those kind of stories. I feel like that's a movie kind of deal or maybe like a, maybe a sitcom. I feel like that'd be like a really, really good story to tell. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. I think my mom was always like, I don't get it. You were such a good, like I did goalie lessons the way I did pitching lessons. Like once a week I went and worked with a guy. Mm -hmm. And, but then I was like, mom, you're supposed to have fun when you're doing these things. And this is just not fun when I stand in the goal for 90 minutes. <laughs> Take selfies, just hang around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Kat, just switching gears and just taking your mind back to the Olympics. Has it sunk in that you were able to take part in softball's return to the games? Yeah, it has. You know, I was fortunate to be part of 2004 and 2008 and then be one of those whose whose fate was kind of uncertain because we weren't sure when it would get back in, in 2000, after 2008. But, you know, when it got back in, I, I had I, I retired in 2015 from professional softball and I've been retired for almost two years when it got back in. And it took a long, hard thought process talking with my husband and my family about, you know, do I really want to try to do this again? And if I do, I need to make a decision relatively soon. So one, I could train, but two, make sure I can get all the I's dotted and T's crossed with USA Softball, if that's a possibility. And so truly proud, though, to be part of that group. I think there was nine or 10 of us over there that had played in 08. Obviously, quite a few of the girls on Team Canada, uh, Stacey Porter on Australia, um, two or three on Japan, um, and then Monica and I. So it was pretty cool to know that, you know, you can withstand a 12-year gap and still be able to go over there and play and, and play at a high level. So it was really cool to be part of softball's return on the Olympic stage. And let's cross our fingers that hopefully there was a good showing and hopefully 28 gets it here in LA so we can have another good showing and then figure out how to get it back on the permanent docket. Yeah. Having come from Australia myself, I feel like Brisbane will definitely want it for 2032. One thing that was highlighted with Tokyo was the, the stadium. Now, for one reason or another, the organizers opted to have the softball competition in the baseball stadiums, which is a little bit problematic. As a pitcher, especially, why is it important that softball has its own arenas in competitions like the Olympics? You know, this, to be honest, I don't think us actual athletes really minded it was in a baseball stadium because I think if you historically watch our events over in Japan, 
they're usually in baseball stadiums that are converted. That's a typical thing over there. Their pro league runs that way. And I think we knew as athletes that when baseball and, joy and softball joined forces under the WBSC, that part of the bidding process was that they were going to sell the fact that everybody could, we could all play in one stadium, that you could make one venue and it could work for both in order to save games money. Now, why is it important that we have our own? I think it's extremely important because we're a different game. When you can bring the stands, our dugout, everything closer to the field like we deserve, then the emotions and the, you know, just that camaraderie and feeding off of things is better. Now, we didn't have fans in Tokyo, obviously, so the stands being closer to our field wasn't really a, uh, a big deal. But if you watched, our technical dugouts were like way back from our field. Mm -hmm. And we moved the benches closer, but they wouldn't let us move the tents closer. So in order to be out close to the field, we were in the freaking blazing heat to try to cheer on our teammates because mm. if we wanted to stay in the shade, we had to be, you know, another 30, 40 feet back from the field. And not to mention just the, you know, I think women's softball is at a point where it's popular in so many places that why not give them their own stadium? figure out how to give them a, a, a decent field to play on to where their sport is their sport and it doesn't look like it's a, a minimized edition of baseball. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it doesn't look like you're a tenant in someone else's place. Mm -hmm. It looks like it's specifically for softball. I get it. I get what you're saying. Yeah. So if you can go back looking at your illustrious career with everything you've accomplished, is there anything you would change and why? Um, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> not really. I mean, I may not have retired in 15. I might have kept playing straight through mm -hmm. if I knew at the time that Sapo was going to be back in the Olympics in 20. But even that, I think my retirement gave my body a chance to kind of relax. And I came back a little bit healthier and, and less, I don't want to say injuries, but just less aches and, and old body groans. Old body groans. Hey, when you're 38 and playing in the Olympics, there was a lot yeah. of treatment just to make sure I felt good waking up. <laughs> Yes, I should apologize. Justin is a touch younger than us, so he wouldn't no understand. Worries. He doesn't get it yet? No. Just wait. No. You can yeah. call us when you're 40 and trying yeah. to be active. Yeah, Justin. <laughs> but no, there wouldn't be too much. I think a lot of people assume I would change where I went to school to try to win a national championship. But I think when I look back at going to the University of Texas, being able to be thrown in the fire so quick made me have to mature physically and mentally as a pitcher that I wouldn't change that because anywhere else I would have chosen, I wouldn't have been the number one or two as a freshman. And so that really just gave me a chance to, to grow faster than I would have. And so, yeah, maybe not retiring would have been the only thing I would have changed. Well, it's perfect. You never want to be that person to be like, I regret the first three years of my life. And it's like, oh God. Yeah, no. No, I mean, that's, that's fantastic. I love hearing that. Is there Anything in your career, especially looking back on it now, not that you would change per se, but if you could relive it one more time. You know, if I could relive, uh, the 2004 Olympics were just so ideal with that team being named, you know, the dream team on Sports Illustrated, only giving up one run, I think, the whole Olympics. Mm -hmm. Just the camaraderie that team had and the excitement around the games at that point. I wish I could relive it, but I, I want to relive it with a little more consciousness, I guess. I was so young that, <gasps> hey, Hold on. They agree. The, the, yep. Yeah, the, do <laughs> the dog's celebrating too. The dog Go wants to relive it. <laughs> He's like, I wasn't born yet. No, I know. So I'm sorry. The they're building, they're, the neighbors are building their house next door. And so people are here. 
<laughs> we're, we're a dog friendly. Yeah, we're a dog friendly show. These guys were laying down quiet. So I was like, oh, maybe they'll stay there. But I would like to go back and live 2004 just with a little bit more, um, just open eyes to like actually experience it and not be so, I was just so young and naive and it was like I was following everyone's lead and just kind of, not that I was just there, but I just don't think I took in everything I could have. Um, and that would have been really cool. But also to relive the moment of just hearing your national anthem on a podium in another country with a gold medal around your neck is just indescribable. It's such a cool experience. And to do it in the dominating way that team did, it was just one of those moments where you look back and like literally almost an entire years of hard work, a year of hard work like paid off. And you can see where every ounce of, of blood, sweat and tears that was dripped was so worth it. Love that. I mean, I don't know about you. Actually, I know about you, but me and myself haven't been to the Olympics. I don't think we're ever going to get to the Olympics athletically, maybe for like yeah. a podcasting interview thing. But I can only imagine what that would be like just even if, if somebody was unsuccessful in the Olympics, just kind of wanting to relive that again. I feel like that's a moment in itself. And that's just something that's it's beautiful. You're a three-time Olympian gold medalist. You're a three-time podium winner. It's, oh my God, you've had a career for the ages. Yeah, it's for me – like you said, we'll never go to the Olympics, Justin, but I think getting to the Olympics in itself is a success. Some, hearing what some people have to go through, Kat, what you had to go through, not only to get there the first couple of times, but also with the sport coming back the next time around, but you managed to do it. And I think we're probably underselling your your career a little bit because you mentioned you didn't win a national championship, but you went to the, the College World Series, Women's College World Series, three times with the Longhorns. And you were also winning honors on those occasions, as such as the College Player of the Year. You won the SB Award, two SB Awards, the top collegiate female athlete. So you have a level of excellence. And obviously, that comes from a belief in yourself. Is there anything else that drives you to, to be the best? You know, I think from a young age, I was, I was driven in just trying to come as close as possible to perfecting my craft of pitching. And now I'm 6'2", but when I first started throwing, I was not very tall. Um, I didn't grow till a little bit later, so I was kind of a runt. And so throwing hard wasn't going to be my thing. And so my, my dad and I worked on spots first and then spin and, and just slowly figuring out how to throw movement pitches. But I fell in love with just chasing chasing, I say chasing excellence, but chasing like as close as I can get to perfect. So if I was even in a, in a practice, like just throwing spins, I want the spin to be as close to perfect as I can. Mm-hmm. And slowly, but surely, you know, that just kind of took over when I went into the field too. And there would be days that, you know, I would throw a good game and everyone was excited and I'd be like, all right, we play again tomorrow. So tomorrow's goal is like one less walk and maybe one more strikeout. Or, you know, I would look at who we were playing and try to set goals not because if I hit them, I was successful, but I knew if I hit them, I was improving. And I think that was the difference because a lot of times you talk to kids about not setting goals of like, I want to strike out 10 people because that's really not in your control. If you have a bad umpire, you may not strike out 10. You might, you know, your stuff might not be working and you can't strike out 10, but I would always just put a number out there. So that way I was continuing to work on just trying to push myself. And so in both facets, like from before I retired and then when I came back, it was just constantly being pushed to put in the hard work and, and, and chase that inevitable, unattainable perfection. Like I know it's never going to be 100% perfect, even when pitchers throw perfect games. I mean, we get away with a pitch somewhere down the line that somebody should have swung at that they didn't. I was always just motivated to try to be 
a little bit better every single day and continue to figure out how, how with my craft, I could just do something a little bit different that made the performance that much better. Mm. So continuous improvement. Yeah. And I mean, even till the end of my career, I mean, in the last game of my career right now at Athletes Unlimited, I shouldn't say right now, the last game of my career at Athletes Unlimited, I've always had a slow curve that kind of sits as my change up, but I throw it primarily to lefties. And this whole last year, I'd been working on throwing it to both sides of the plate to righties and lefties inside and out with the thought process. So, okay, if we need this in Tokyo, we'll be ready to use it. Well, we didn't really need it in Tokyo, but I threw so many more slow curves. I threw more slow curves in a game, my last game of my career than I ever did. And it just is a showing of like, you, you never stop trying to do something different in order to be successful. And um, it ended up helping me be extremely successful in that last game. And, you know, obviously now I look back, I'm like, maybe I should have started throwing that a little sooner, but it's okay. It worked out and I had fun with it. And, um, but yeah, even to the, you know, even to the last out, I was making adjustments and throwing things that, you know, weren't necessarily the stereotypical way I set up hitters. Mm-hmm. Right. So I guess a willingness to, to try new things as well. For sure. Now you mentioned Athletes Unlimited and that's been softball, I believe is just finished its second season. How important is it for the growth of not only softball, but for women's sports, given that Athletes Unlimited has volleyball and lacrosse and from 2022 basketball on its suite of sports? How important is it for the development of women's sports that we have something like Athletes Unlimited? It's incredibly important. I think Athletes Unlimited obviously use softball and then volleyball to get their name out there. And a lot of people are super excited about how it runs because it's so different. It's not your typical league with, you know, four or five teams and this and that. It's a little more individual player based as they did their research and fans these days follow players more than they follow teams. Some of those that are older will be loyal to our team no matter what. But a lot of kids, you go ask them, they're a Mike Trout fan or an Aaron Judge fan or a certain specific athlete fan versus a whole team fan. And so they get to follow those athletes and watch them do different things with different teams every week. But for female sports in general, to have people that are that excited about women's sports, that they not only invested, but then they grew as fast as they did. Because this was only season two for softball. So they've been going for a year and a third really right now, probably. And they're already adding a fourth sport. It just shows that they're committed to giving female athletes a chance to be able to showcase their skills here in the United States. You know, the pay is not enough to live on for the whole year, but it's still a good amount. And depending on where you finish, it's it could be a, de- a decent amount with your bonus. And then the other cool part, and I think this hits home with a lot of female athletes and a lot of people don't realize it, is we have, I mean, I've had an organization I've worked with for a long time and we do baseball and softball for the underserved community of Austin. Well, I have a ton of friends and guys I know that played baseball at University of Texas. They've gone pro and they come back. Well, they can donate hundreds of thousands, a million dollars to this organization. I don't have that to donate. Like I, I don't. Sometimes it's it's pulling pennies together just to donate something. So I feel like I'm I'm doing my part. And with Athletes Unlimited, they help us with that. There's a part of the organization that at the end of the year, half of our bonus goes to a charity of our choice. And so I think for a lot of us, the first time we feel like financially we're helping an organization as opposed to just posting about it and saying like, I care about this, we're able to actually financially contribute. And so that's a pretty cool deal too, because the Give Lively organization donates on our behalf to that. And we're able to know that, you know, we helped earn money for that. But Jonathan Soros and John Petrikoff have done an amazing job of setting up 
such a unique sporting event, but they know that females need the opportunities and that as soon as females get those opportunities, the envelope will continue to get pushed. And so it's so exciting to be part of Athletes Unlimited. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's so important to have that visibility because there will be young young girls out there who will see players like yourself, Jenny Finch and others, and they will believe that they can be the next part of the next generation of softball. So it's so important. If you can see it, you can be it. Oh, I totally agree. And you have set a precedent for young females, just anyone, even, it even inspired me, although I don't want to play softball, it inspired me to be better. This episode is brought to you by the good folks at New Smile. Just use the code PROSPORTS to get $150 off any of their teeth aligning kits. So turn up the dial on your smile with New Smile. Now on to the show. What does a three-time Olympian do in her spare time? Not softball related. What do you do? Well, I'm quite a book nerd. My husband always laughs because I have, I usually have three, maybe four books going at once. But I also, I love to be outside. So um, whether it's just walking or running our neighborhood, during quarantine, our first purchase was a fiberglass pool. So we got a, we got a pool now. So I'll go sit out by our pool sometimes, which now that I'm retired, I'm like, that's going to come in handy come springtime. (laughs) But I like being outside. You know, I'm, I'm a reader. I'm a learner. I'll listen to podcasts way more than radio. I think my stepdaughter gets frustrated because we get in the car and she'll be like, can we turn on? I'm like, no, I'm in the middle of a podcast. Give me 20 minutes and then we can turn the radio on. There we go. Because I just like, I like learning. I'm a huge baseball fan. Don't judge me. I born and raised in Houston. I am still diehard Astros fan. <laughs> 2017's over. We moved on. So is is there a is there a trash can in your place? No, there's not a trash. I mean, there's obviously the kitchen trash can, but not a metal not a metal one to bang. But I I, I love sports, so you'll catch me usually watching sports, reading a book outside somewhere. And then, I mean, now that I have time, I love to travel. So we'll start doing some small trips on weekends and things like that to go just see different places that we haven't seen yet. Perfect. What are you, what are you currently uh, reading? I am reading, well, I'm in the middle of a 40-day sugar fast. So I'm reading the devotional that goes with that. Okay. John Grisham has a book called Suli. It was our neighborhood book club suggested it. And even though I can't partake in the book club this month, I decided I'd read it. And then I just finished Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. So I read a a plethora of things. My favorite is like crime thrillers, but I haven't read one of those in a while. I love Michael Connelly. I don't know if you guys have watched Amazon Prime and Bosch, but he wrote the books that Bosch is themed off of. Oh, okay. So good. I've read so many of his books. So, but yeah, I read a little bit of everything. I'm not really a romance person. I don't read, I should say I don't read those and not too much sci-fi, but. So I was going to go two points onto that. Number one, for Amazon Prime, I'm going to plug myself shamelessly here. I'm on a movie that's on Amazon Prime. I play a background character, so nothing major, but Amazon Prime nonetheless. And number two, there's a Canadian author I read called Linwood Barkley. He, he's not sci-fi, but he's a horror novelist. Okay. Do you read any horror novels or is that kind of something you also stay away from? Nope, I'll read anything. I just don't like, I just don't want to read about going to like non-existent planets and alternate universes Mm. i'm more of a well i shouldn't say that like the harry potter kind of thing and game of thrones that's okay but you know some sci-fi gets a little bit out there for me yeah it gets a little too much i want to keep it real what movie are you in so it's called this was america okay 
And uh, like I said, I'm just a background character. So if you can find me, that's cool. But uh, it has Simon Phillips. He's a British Canadian actor who's done quite a lot of work. And I think he has two or three TV shows. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty decent. Have to check it out. Please do. And I wrote Linwood Barkley down. So I'm going to oh, check it out. Oh, you're amazing. Thank you. So Kat, are we going to see a Kat Osterman book come out soon? <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've toyed with the idea. Do it. That's what everyone says. I think for a while I I toyed with the idea, but I was always just like, you know, a lot of times you read books and it's like over they overcame something spectacular to like be able to be successful. And, you know, I never had like a career threatening injury or a career threatening, life threatening something that like caused me to have to overcome. But the more I think about it and the more I share some like small stories on Instagram and stuff, I think there's a lot of people that, you know, they just say it resonates. And so, um, yeah, I'm toying with the idea. I need to just sit down and at least start writing so that way I get some thoughts in and then it'll flow. But I would like to. I think there's a lot of things from growing up, even into adult, you know, I just on mental health day, I shared that within the last year and a half, I, I, I've been diagnosed with anxiety. And after talking to my family, my mom was like, oh, yeah, I could have told you that. I was like, <laughs> cool, thanks. But, you know, they they helped me navigate it without knowing. And so I was able to most of the time deal with it um, or handle it pretty well. And so it just got to points during COVID, which I think for a lot of people, it got to points during COVID where, you know, things just were so far out of our control that a lot of people, that it just heightened everything. So, but I think there's different things from growing up to be, you know, not being the, the biggest, tallest, greatest athlete kid that everyone thinks I probably was and just working hard and, and being able to continue to figure out what success looked like for me and my dad and to the anxiety as an adult to just, you know, phasing even out of the game and how to transition there. Um, I think it'd be pretty cool and people would resonate with it. So it's been in my mind for a while. So I guess now I just need to start the actual, the actual actions to put it together. Mm -hmm. Nice one. I was going to say you, you have overcome a main obstacle and that was kind of, you know, the retirement and then coming back. The only other notable athlete who's done that that I can think of who's done well was George St. Pierre in MMA. Like you're top tier with him. That's awesome. I'm glad you said done well because everyone else tells me I'm like Brett Favre. I'm just like, mm. no, no, no. Brett Favre, hang on. Brett, I have to jump in. I have to jump in because Brett Favre retired twice because no one talks about the New York Jets retirement. That's how bad it was. Like he retired again and then people talk about the second comeback with the Vikings, but still. No, no, no. You're, you're not on Brett Favre levels. No. You're, you're. Sweet. Good. <laughs> you're George St. Pierre. I will take George St. Pierre. Now, Kat, do you still catch up with the, the Longhorns community? Sometimes, obviously, our, the head coach changed a couple of years ago, um, but I also had a connection with the new head coach. I had actually gone up and shadowed him when he worked at Oregon um, when I first got the job at Texas State here in St. Marcus, Texas. So, I knew of him and um, he's been very open and, you know, anytime you want to come out, come out, let us know. And, you know, thankfully to social media, I can follow them quite a bit, but I haven't been to too many games in the last couple of years, just with COVID and the fact that they only had like 20% of the stadium open or something like that. I just, I didn't hassle with it, um, but I'll be out there this year. Some um, I'm really excited. They have a, they have a middle infielder who's probably the best position player to come through come through Texas. I keep joking with her. I'm like, I will just take the goat pitcher title. You take the goat middle infield title and we can, we'll be, or the goat position player title and we'll be happy together. And she's like, that's fine. But she's hopefully about to be the only other four time all American 
at Texas in the softball program. So it's been fun to watch her because she's just phenomenal. Her name is Janae Jefferson, but I've gotten to follow them and kind of chat with them here and there on social media. So I'll be rooting hard for them this year, though. Nice one. And this year's been a big year for softball. As we know, the return to the Summer Olympics is one thing. The rise and rise of Athletes Unlimited is another thing. But there was a bittersweet moment when we did hear that the National Pro Fast Pitch Tournament would be suspending operations. Now, you still hold a number of records in that competition, I believe ERA and also um, strikeouts. But is there any indications that MPF will come back in the future or could this be it? No, I think um, I think MPF is done, unfortunately. You know, obviously COVID took two years from them and it, I think it was a lot to come back from. Plus, a number of their teams were the international teams that were training for the Olympics. So you have to always, you know, the question is, are they going to continue to have a team over here when the Olympics are now eight years later? Or are they going to wait um, to put their funding into that training? And so... I think they're done, but um, as soon as Athletes Unlimited Season 2 wrapped up, there was an announcement that there's a, a new league, the, I think it's the WPF. I don't really know anything about it other than Lauren Chamberlain, who played at OU and played with me on the Pride, is the commissioner. So I haven't learned a whole lot about that and what it's going to entail, but supposedly there's another pro league that's going to try to launch, and um, we'll see how it goes. All right, we'll watch this space. So I have a question regarding your food consumption. Okay. It's something I ask every athlete or guest that we have on, and it's always interesting to kind of see what everyone says. This is a Canadian dish, so I don't know if you've had it, but if you haven't, you must try it. Okay, what is it? Okay, it's called a poutine. Okay, I know of it, but I have mm. not had it. Oh, what do you know of this glorious invention? Isn't this like some type of french fries or potato something with like some type of gravy or something on top? Oh, gravy and cheese curds. But yes, you are correct. Okay. But up here in the great white north, we get a little fancy. We can add like pulled pork. We can add like butter chicken. You can you can get crazy with it. Oh, if you add like pulled pork and chicken and stuff to it, I'll, I'd try it all day. Oh my God. Yes, please. Like it's so good. I'll have to uh, try it next time. Tell you what, when you and your husband come up to uh, see the Blue Jays play, yeah. I'll buy you both a poutine. Okay, D done <laughs> deal. Fair enough. And do you have a favorite stadium that isn't Minute Maid Park? <laughs> I think, well, after touring PNC Park, I think it might be the most gorgeous view that any park has um, with the river out there in the back. But I don't know. I, like, I kind of am a traditionalist. So my mom was born and raised in Chicago, and I've been to – been to Wrigley quite a few times and that might be my favorite just because I think everybody everybody that goes to a game at Wrigley like literally just comes straight from work school whatever like you don't see people dressed up everybody's just in their jeans and their Cubs jerseys and I mean I played like some betting game with five guys down the road that I have no clue who they are but we you know put a dollar in and pass the cup every time I don't even remember the rules but it's just like one big baseball party the whole time it's really fun nice one Obviously, it's a big week for you. The, the Astros are back in the World Series. I'm a Yankee fan, but I'm also a baseball fan. So I know that the Astros have built that roster up over a number of years. So I do get it. They would have probably got to a World Series even without the trash cans. But Agreed. I have a question because we previously spoke to someone in Charlotte who was pretty keen on getting an MLB franchise out there. My question is this in relation to a future franchise that 
we're most likely have to build a new stadium. Is it practical, Cat, as a former softball player, to build an arena that is configured not only for baseball, but also has adjustable or retractable, it can be reconfigured for softball in such a way that it's still manageable for the players and still brings the game close to where it needs to be, if that makes sense. I think it is. The only the only catch you always deal with is the grass, the, you know, baseball's infield is mainly grass and ours is completely dirt. So you either have to have something that's removable or play completely on turf. The easiest stadiums to convert are those that are turf because then you don't have to worry about grass cutouts and, and softball ruining grass or anything like that. I think it's doable. I think somebody just has to come up with Kind of, I mean, some type of way that you can convert things the way you can convert a basketball court, you know? Mm-hmm. A basketball court can turn into a hockey arena, and a football stadium can turn into a baseball stadium sometimes. So it's like, how can we figure out to do that? It would be great if we could. And, you know, you don't necessarily have to have retractable stands or anything, but then you bring in another set of, like, a temporary set of stands that, that fill in that front part, mm-hmm. kind of like a, a courtside seat at a basketball game. Um, doesn't have to be folding chairs, but you bring in something different. And so I think it's doable. It would just take a little bit of an engineering brain, I think, to make it all possible. Well, we have one of those. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I think about it because the Rogers Center or the Sky Dome, as I, it, they use turf and they actually have that retractable or that adjustable capability for concerts and things like that. And they can bring in extra stands as required. So it just got me thinking. So that's something that I would like to see. I would like to see the next MLB franchise, whether it be Vegas, Charlotte, Nashville, wherever. I'd love to see an accommodation for softball. It would be nice. It would be really nice. And even if you don't use it all the time, I mean, you use it a couple. I mean, if you until you get a team, if you use it a couple times a year, it, it would attract people. And then you start to attract people to that. And then obviously more people want more of it or people want to host their events at your place because it's so nice. And then you start, you know, slowly but surely it becomes a, an a, a ordinary thing. There we go. Once again, if, if people see it and they can do it and it becomes more of a thing, that's where the growth happens. One more question. I can't let you go without getting a World Series prediction. <laughs> I know it might be biased, but who's who? You, who do you have? If they had played the Dodgers, this would be a lot harder, but I think I'm going to go with the Astros. I just think they're going to ride the high in the momentum of that uh, series with the Red Sox. I'm not going to lie. I'm My brothers always laugh because I'm one of those that after game two, I'm like, this is done. Or maybe it was game three, whichever two and three, I think, are the ones we, ch- we tanked. I was like, we're done. We have no pitching. Series over. And my brother's like, name a, poor, a more perfect pairing. Our sister calling a series or a game to be over when it's not. But... <laughs> I did that when they won the World Series. I did that because, you know, they gave up like a four-run lead and Kershaw was throwing. I was like, there's no way. And then next thing you know, I go to bed and we freaking win. But I'm going to go Astros. I just think they're hitting well. Even without their stud pitchers, they're being able to uh, to pitch pretty well, minus those two games. But uh, they, I think the momentum's on their side. So we'll see. Plus, they've been there uh, more recently, so experience always pays off as well. Yeah, it definitely does. And Having a, a guy like Dusty Baker, who's he's seen it all. I was about to say, Dusty Baker's story is pretty cool since he started out as a Brave. I think they, I don't know if you guys saw this on social media yesterday, they posted he made his debut with the Braves against the Astros. And here he could be, hope, I mean, I don't want to say hopefully, I would love for him to stay around because he's obviously doing good things, but he could end his career 
with the Astros against the Braves in the World Series. Yeah, I mean, that'll be a nice way to go out. Who knows? I'll have to watch this space. Yeah, he's great. Well, Kat, we've we've uh, enjoyed your time, and thank you so much. You are very welcome. So there we have it. Kat Osterman, four-time Olympian, three-time Collegiate Player of the Year, two-time ESPY Award winner, future Hall of Famer, coach, and the greatest softball player of all time, and now friend of the show. Thank you for joining us, Kat. Before we let you go, is there uh, some social media handles you'd like to plug? Yeah, so I'm active on all my social medias. It's it's just me. No one runs it for me. So um, Twitter and Instagram, it's just at Kat Osterman, C-A-T-O-S-T-E-R-M-A-N. And then Facebook, it would be Facebook backslash Kat Osterman. But yeah, I'm keeping them updated. I do have a pitching-specific Instagram, which is CO8 underscore pitching. And that's just to give some some instructional tips to some young, younger younger pitchers if they need it. But you can keep up with life and pitching on all of those platforms. And sometimes I'm on there all the time and sometimes I take some breaks. But it's, it's me, it's authentic, and um, I truly enjoy engaging with the fans. Fantastic. We'd love to see it. Perfect. Yep. Just gave you a follow on both my personal Twitter and the uh, podcast Twitter. Perfect. I will follow back. Hair sizzle. 